0: To the Retail Corner podcast. Today we are here to, with Latonia Moore. She's a business coach and mentor. And most interestingly, she used to be a former US government lawyer. So, Latonia, how did you transition from law into retail?
1: Well, it, it's interesting because for, for me, so I have been working with product based businesses for a while. And specifically, I so I created like a methodology that we call to legal proof your business. So we it, it's sort of like the intersection between business, intellectual property, so on and so forth. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, retail really made a lot of sense because with my background, I've worked for uh, some of my clients have been like the F- FDA, you know, National Institutes of Health, and so really understanding like coming from that very heavy government regulatory background, it it made sense that this would be uh, the transition once I decided to take transition over into more so business consulting and coaching. So that's how I ended up, I guess you could say, ended up in in retail.
0: That's phenomenal. And so uh, obviously I'm assuming you continue to practice law and really what you've done is really focused on on helping businesses transition and grow uh, whenever the time is right for them to take that next step, becoming an LLC, really trademarking their brand, trademarking their products and and protecting that in the long run, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's interesting because I think that some of the gaps and pitfalls that, uh, a lot of product businesses don't think about is the amount of information that they put out. You know, some things you have to, right, if it's a consumable, you have to let the consumer know what's in the product. I mean, these are just things that are required uh, by the government. But there are people that, like, literally, I had a client one time that was videotaping, like, the actual process. Okay, you take this, you take that. Oh, wow. It. Like, you the how-to. <laughs> the whole thing, like what you, you know, to, to do that. Um, Their thought process was, it was a behind the scenes, but of course, someone like me, I'm looking at it. I'm like, okay, so now I know your entire recipe. So now your trade secret is out. What are you going to do? So these are things. So there's that fine line, right. Between social media marketing, between, you know, uh, allowing the customer to, you know, connect with the brand, but sometimes we go too far. And these are definitely some of the pitfalls that I'd like to make sure that my clients avoid.
0: Absolutely. So with that, let let me ask you, obviously you have a lot more. What are some of like the the common mistakes, right? A lot of the brands, a lot of the retailers, the owners make as they're growing their business and they're trying to keep that customer connection and that customer engagement, right? And so they're trying to expand into retail. Maybe they've been working on a product for four or five years through investors, and now they're ready to go out into market and they really want to make that connection. What are some of those common mistakes that they usually make and they should try to avoid? You you really have to know
1: where you're going to put your product. So like, for example, who is your product for? What is that client? So I'll just use something simple as shampoo, right? Since we're talking about, I'll just talk about that. You could buy shampoo at a big box retailer so target, walmart. You could also buy it at Sephora, right? You could also buy it at Trader Joe's, you know, uh Whole Foods or whatever the different um the different outlets are. The mm-hmm. the major thing is that people really don't research What's the proper retail outlet to target for my product? Where is my product a good fit? And and the reason I want to bring that up and kind of hammer that one home is that there's a lot of disappointment when you pitch your product and they say this is not a good fit. They don't tell you why, right? They just say this yeah, is Yeah. Or we'll call you back,
0: right? Don't, don't worry, we'll call you back. Yeah. You know? <laughs>
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. The the second thing is not truly understanding that shelf space is retail. So, I mean, I'm sorry, re- retail shelf-, shelf space is real estate. Mm-hmm. So you may have a great product, but if there's no room presently on the shelf, they're not going to accept your product. It doesn't mean that your product is bad. It just means that right now they don't have any room on their shelves. They don't have any real estate, any lots, right? for your particular product. So failing to really understand how traditional retail works is the second one. The third one, which is my favorite, which I talk about like literally everywhere, is failing to protect your brand, right? And it really is, it's it's the LLC, it's the trademark, it's understanding how to protect trade secrets, it's understanding that that you have to um, make sure that you have agreements, even with your staff that's coming in. Staff, they're gonna have ideas, who, who owns the idea? You put a product out. You try it. It's it's a hit. Who owns that? Do you own it? There's your staff member on it who came up with the idea. These are all things that we don't think about as small business owners. Even like I have multi million dollar business owners, right? They still don't think about these things.
0: Yeah, <laughs> no, absolutely. And it's so important to have even like NDAs with your employees, right? It's not just with companies that you're collaborating with. That way. As you very well are mentioning, your your employees are the core, right? Because obviously they're the the collaborative team that you're working with, and you want to have those NDAs or MSAs in order to protect your company, your brand, and your products to to last longer for you to have that profitability. Or if you want to do some sort of like partnership, right, with your employees, that's always an option as well. And I, also, one thing that you very well mentioned about shelf space being being real estate, right? And I think it's something important to mention as well. I don't know what you think. Um, sometimes people in the other side of the, of the coin they get extremely excited when a walmart a a big big company comes in and says hey i love your product right but people also need to understand that since it's real estate if your product is not moving even if the brand if the brand loves it you know sometimes they commit into these hundreds of thousands of units of orders for a brand new product And it doesn't move from the shelf as quickly as Walmart expects because they have trends already to follow. Right. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't happen, then they'll just give you back your inventory and tell you thank you very much. You know, so. So to your point is, I think it's also important for for everybody out there trying to grow their business. Don't get overly excited with the big name brand and and then put put all your eggs in one basket. Right.
1: Absolutely. And this is why this is why we focus very heavily on assisting our clients in building a brand, one of the things that we tell them is that your product needs to be both craved and coveted. And and the reason I say that is that people need to really, really want it. Like they need to almost salivate, right? For, for For that product, but they need to covet it in a way that if it's not available, they will not go to the competitor. And that is not an easy thing to do, right? It's not an easy thing to do, But I think that it's the best thing to do so that you don't have this. So when you're going and they are pitching these retailers, that's one of the things that they have to be able to show the retailer. Who's going to buy this product? Why should you put the product on the shelf, right? What's Mm -hmm. our track record? What have we been doing so far? Uh, Like I shared with you guys earlier, for us, we work very heavily with e-commerce businesses because now we have data that we can help them say, you know, help them interpret when they are going to uh, these meetings with the buyers and they're able to, or they're going to open calls or things like that, and they're able to go and pitch their product, we're able to help them interpret the data so that they can make the presentation. We're able to help them say, you know, Walmart just may not be where your product needs to be. Everyone wants to wants to be in Walmart because it's everywhere. But that may not be the customer. Your customer may not shop for this product at a Walmart. These are all the things kind of going back to those those pitfalls and the things that people don't understand. These are all the things that you have to really understand when you are looking at putting your product in traditional retail markets as well as other ancillary markets as well.
0: No, absolutely. Absolutely. And let me ask you as well, um, what are some of the steps that you know the, the business products uh, owners can take in order to protect themselves and protect their product when submitting that pitch? Right? You, were, you were talking that you really guide them through that process. What are some of the key steps that they should always take to make sure that they're protecting their product when doing these pitches?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, so there's a couple of things that, that I would say are top,
0: (laughs) right? Pillars.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. You have to, you, you need to have already done your intellectual property. So whether it's a patent, whether it's a trademark, you already, you kind of have your trade secret policy or you should, you need to make sure that you have all of these things in place. The other thing, too, is you need to understand and know what information to give out, what information not to give out. It's similar to what I talked about a a little bit earlier when I was saying that there that there was someone that was literally showing their process of how they make this particular product. But what they didn't realize was that they were giving away their recipe. You know, Mm -hmm. it's one thing to show yourself making the product. It's another thing to literally show the measurements. (laughs) Right. Mm -hmm. Because People, you know, we bake cakes for those of us that bake, we bake cakes and they all taste different. Why? Because the, it can be the exact same ingredients, but the amounts are different. The measurements are different. This, these are the things that make your product unique. Why am I saying that? Because oftentimes just to test you, or, or I would hate to say it, but it does happen. Sometimes people have a more sinister, um, objective. Mm -hmm. They will ask you, walk me through the steps of creating this product. (laughs) They will literally ask you, we've had- As as you're doing your product pitch, right? As you're you're doing your product pitch. The other thing too, they'll ask you, where do you source your materials, right? Now, certain, there there are certain companies that want it to be from certain areas, right? But there's Mm. a way to answer that question without saying, oh, all of my vendors come from, I don't know Venezuela, right? Whatever, whatever the company, whatever the country. Is, if you're,
0: if or, you're or giving the business. list of vendors with addresses and phone numbers, right? Yeah. <laughs> After you took years to get those vendors.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and you probably have negotiated, or you should have. If if you don't, we'll teach you how. Right? You mm-hmm. you probably have ne- negotiated a very very good rate so that you can maximize profits. But these these are the types of things that you need to know. Speaking of which, you have to be able to make the when you're going to a retailer just like an investor, right? The the bottom line is what's the return? What's the return that you are telling them that they that they are going to get? Not just in numbers, right? That's important, but also does this brand align with that particular retailer's core values. Oftentimes they don't think about that. And does that retailer's core values align with your core values? Do you have core values?
0: <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it, right? it's so true. I think a lot of times, you know, entrepreneurs uh, tend to make the mistake or, or maybe it's the desperation, right? Of wanting to, see the fruits of all of your work right and like you said they they stop they forget about their target market they they forget about their core values and they forget about what what they want the product to really represent right and which customers they want to engage and as a result of that they go to the typical things you know you google what are the biggest retailers and they go knocking on those doors you know and i think that kind of leads to my like my next question which is for these business owners to penetrate the traditional retail market, right? Like well, what would you recommend for them to follow rather than go to Google and find the biggest retailers and go knocking on those doors, right? Because I think that's what everybody by by common sense tends to do, you know? But what would you really recommend for, from all of your years of experience that they should try to follow as the first steps into trying to penetrate their the retail market?
1: Absolutely. One of the best platforms is RangeMe. RangeMe is an awesome platform. We have all of our retail clients to sign up on rangeMe um, RangeMe gets mixed reviews you can for for the listeners and viewers they can they can google them. Here's why for us we recommend it
0: mm-hmm. you,
1: you technically have access, right? you technically have access. you see all the retailers you you can you you get information right? That's what it's useful for, right? You get information ahead of everyone else. So like, you know, when they're going to have an open call, you know, when they they are going to have a, a buyer season, right? And that's another thing. And we can, we may get to that as far as the buyer season, but that that's one of the major platforms that I always tell. Um, we always have our clients do that. That's the the biggest thing. The other thing though, especially if you have a consumable, you want to make sure that your labels are FDA compliant. You want to make sure that the that the information, right, that you have actually on your label complies with FDA. If you don't, they're not going it doesn't matter if they like your product, right? You have to make sure that you are compliant before you even go and do the pitch. And so these are these are just all things, but if I was if I was to choose like the one platform that we always recommend, we always recommend signing up through
0: range me. Nice. Nice. Well, there you have it guys. I mean, I think that's, that's a great little piece of advice, a little hidden gem and take advantage of it, you know? And, and I know that you've developed this uh, five way concept, right? That teaches business owners outside of pitching their product and protecting their brand and protecting their intellectual property, uh, how to locate hidden streams of revenue of, you know, that works for their business. Cause obviously I think every business is very important that they have to see themselves as an octopus, right? You always have to think, how do I have multiple tentacles of revenue so that when wildness is going down, I can, you know, concentrate on the other areas or even develop a new arm. Right. So what, what are, what are those five ways?
1: So one, of course, is education, depending on the type of product that you have, really educating the the public, but also educating the customer about the the features, the benefits, ways that you can utilize the product. These are things that can be monetized. So, for example, if you do an educational course around eczema, I don't know, using my product to uh, ease the the sting of eczema. And and people will pay you for that. So now you have a workshop. You could take that workshop and now, stream number two, now you have an on-demand platform where people can pay through membership and things like that to really learn about how to ease this condition, right? Without a lot of harsh uh, medications. I mean, that's just the, the reality of, of things. The mm-hmm. the third thing, you know, you could essentially you probably could take that and create a podcast with the audio right? Kind of do like what we're doing. So you have an audio and video podcast, you know, you could, you could refashion, you know, to, uh, provide education and training. The, the other thing too, is what are ways that you can take one product? So like, for example, uh, we have a client that does, that has, um, uh, skincare, right. Mm -hmm. And so there is a product that's like a how do I, look, I'm saying this because we, we've we kind of done this with her, but basically you could use it as a bath salt. You could mix it with a, another product that she has that's an oil. And now you can use it as a body scrub um, or an exfoliant. So thinking about how many ways can I take this one product either and marry it with some of my other products to create another, you know, another product. Um, and then the last one um, that we like for our product clients is like the mystery box or subscriptions, right? Where people sign mm-hmm. up for certain things and they say, okay, you know, every three months, I'm gonna order the the $250 bundle, whatever, whatever that is, whatever that thing is. And so we work with them to brand those particular things built around either some type of ailment depending on what type of client it is or or the experience. You know, what what's the experience that the client will will have or the customer will have by utilizing this particular product.
0: Nice, 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 nice. And of course, needless to say, Giving all those experiences without giving your secrets away, as yes. <laughs> Latonia yeah. very well mentioned earlier, because it happens quite a bit. And the last question I have for you, if you had one piece of advice to, to give to all the retailers out there, whether they're, they're starting, they're growing, they're transitioning from e-commerce to brick-and border, what would be the one piece of advice you would give everybody?
1: Wow. One thing. (laughs) (laughs) If if I were to if I were to choose uh, if I were to choose one thing, I, I would definitely say really understand your numbers, not just your financial numbers, but also the data attached to like your customer numbers, because your customer numbers, it's going to give you a lot of information about customer demographics. These, these are the very things that are going to allow you to align to retailers. Because if you already know your customer profile, you already know your customer base, you can take that information and this is what you use Google for. And you can research which companies, which retailers have the same ideal client, the same target market, and that's going to save you so much time.
0: Absolutely. And it's going to give you a, a much higher possibility of success when it comes to selling your product and penetrating those markets.
1: Absolutely. Well,
0: that's phenomenal. Thank you so much for your time today. Latonia. it was great speaking with you. And for everybody out there, we're going to have her information right here at the bottom of the podcast so you guys can reach out to her and her team. And, I mean, this was just kind of on the surface type of advice, so you can only imagine how much more you can get out of speaking with Latonia and her team. You have a beautiful day, and thank you so much for being with us. Thank you. If you would like to be featured on our podcast, please email us at podcast at retailcorner.live or visit our website, retailcorner.live. Looking forward to having you as our guest on our podcast. And thank you so much for listening.